This episode of the Ty Capital Millionaire Podcast was brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchett, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Own, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Own, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast, episode 32. Uh, my name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has 161 members. Currently have the membership on hold, but we'll be opening it up in a short time. So if you are interested in joining our club, feel free to still express your interest in the website. Um, through all the different platforms we have, we're building a, an interest list, but we're just trying to make sure that we manage everything transitioning from the old platform to the new, improved, updated platform. But with that, we kind of wanted to put a freeze on new membership so that we can uh, kind of hit that full force when we do transition fully to the layout. Um, I'm also the founder of Todd Acquisitions, which should be hopping into some deals in the next few months, um, and Todd Ventures, which is our crowdfunded venture capital firm. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can see that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. And with us today, we have Mr. Stephen Story. Stephen is located, I believe, uh, in the Southeast. Atlanta, Atlanta. Okay. Very cool. Um, Stephen is a real estate investor. He's a professional. Um, he has a wealth of knowledge. He comes from a very successful family. I want to talk to him about that today. I'm really big on generational and familial wealth. I think it all starts there. Just the mindset and the mentality that gets passed on, not just the money, but I think that that's the biggest thing is that mindset that you inherit as well. So with that, I want to welcome. Hey man, I appreciate you having me on, Charles. It's a, it's a real pleasure. I love senior writing. I am a part of Tide Capital as far as investments. I think I was like number 60 or 70 on the investor in the, in the, in the investment group. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate all the stuff that you put out there. Tell y'all a little bit about me. My name is Steven Charles Story. My name is Charles too. My father is Charles Story. Uh, I am from I'm originally from Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I went to the University of Alabama before I dropped out and got into business. You, so you dropped out of school? I did, man. Let's talk about that. What what led you? I mean, it's funny. I'm I'm reading this book right now called Rich Twenty Something, and he's talking about all these people who dropped out of school. I mean, what motivated you to to leave school, and um, where has your career and your life gone from there? For me, it was kind of like a, it was a freak accident that actually got me out of college. So I didn't drop out like, I was like, yeah, I quit. It was more so, I had a medical emergency. My cornea ripped in my left eye the first day of my junior year. The first day of my second semester of my junior year, uh, I left a contact in my eye and it ripped my cornea up. 
you know, I couldn't go to school for a month. And so I had to withdraw from school. After I withdrew, I just like, my dad was like, son, you gotta make some money. And my dad is a, uh, a member of Five Beta Sigma. And so he called one of his rappers up and was like, hey, can my son work with you? And it was a bail bonding company. And a guy named Ralph Williams, he was one of uh, eight master bail bonds in, in, in the United States and the only black one. And uh, I started working under him and I learned the bail bonding business. And then I left uh, Tuscaloosa and I went to Montgomery and I started running a bail bond office. And it was like, you know, three months after I dropped out, I was making like, you know, six, seven thousand dollars a month. And so you're still involved in the industry or is that something you did for a while while you're out of school and now you, you transition to other things? I'm, I'm kind of telling you like half the story. So <laughs> basically for me, I did drop out of college, but before I dropped out of college, I had an insurance license and a real estate license. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wasn't like dropping out green. By the time I dropped out, I already had two years experience in both fields. And bail bonding is a part of the insurance industry. So I was already licensed and insurance, so it was an easy switch to go to bail mining. And then from there, I just, I built that business up and uh, I left it, got back in real estate for a little while, left real estate, did some other things, and now I'm back in insurance. And so uh, so now at 29, I have nine years experience in insurance mm -hmm. and nine years experience in real estate. So where I didn't have a college degree, I got more to more, uh, life. I use licenses to make more money, basically. I like it. So many people think that like a college degree is the end all be all. I think a lot of that is because that's what we're sold so that we go to school. But there's so many other things that can kind of stand in the place of that, whether it's a license, whether it's a certification, whether it's um, a trade. It's just a matter right. of something that you can stand on that sets you apart and distinguishes you <laughs> and gives you something that you can kind of do for a living, professionals and entrepreneurs. So. Yeah, and my parents, they both had, my parents, my mom had a insurance agency, my father had a, uh, a real estate brokerage and construction mm -hmm. company. So, like, come on, like, for all listening, like, come on, it's not like I'm just some, <laughs> some you know, entrepreneurial, you know, genius or something like that. My mom was like, get an insurance license. My dad said, get a real estate license. I listened, and I, I was able to leverage those things. And now at 29, I can do some, some amazing things for income. So, it, you know, it, it's just, it takes time, but if you listen to people and you and you see what where, where they went and you, you take some risks, you can really have a powerful income. I feel like if I had a diploma, I would kick everybody's ass who had a diploma. Because <laughs> I just got that. I got too much work ethic, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have too much confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. If I had if I had a general studies degree, I, 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 I mean, like, the, the sky would be the limit. I mean, I, I mean the sky is already the limit for me. The, the issue I have with college diplomas is this. When people get an accounting degree, all they think of themselves as is an accountant. When I get a license, or I have six licenses, all I know is I'm a money maker. That's all I know myself to be. I'm just a money maker, bro, and I make a lot of it. And I can make it a lot of different ways. And so I think that people who have diplomas just put themselves in a box and they stay in it. And they say, well, you know, if I get a, uh, a master's in accounting, I can make $75,000. What? You know what I'm saying? You're, you got janitors making $75,000 a day having janitorial services. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't gonna go off on that. Anyway, keep going. Let's I like talk. it. I like it. Keep talking, man. <laughs> I think that I, I think that you have to just let it go, man. Whatever you have to say, just let it yeah. go. Yeah, man. I just, diplomas can be limiting if you allow them to be limiting. One, one pet peeve I have with people who have masters especially MBAs, these, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cuss. These people haven't ran a damn lemonade stand. They got a master's uh, degree in business. <laughs> Come on, dog. Is this real life here? But 
I just can't wrap my mind around that. You know, you have an MBA and you're an employee. Like somebody <laughs> spell it out for me. I need, I need, I need, I need to get that. Like I need to understand that. You know, you go get sixty thousand dollars in debt to be an employee, but you can take a sixty thousand dollar business loan out and do the same thing and make way more money. I just whatever, man. Anyway, let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. <laughs> if you kiss with me, all man. <laughs> so I mean, where did where did, where did where did you get this perspective? Because I know a lot of this stuff it can either be something you read or it can be something that you were raised to know. How did your parents kind of I, I guess well, kind of well, in this direction? Yeah, yeah. So like. My father was one of the first black men in Alabama to have a real estate brokerage mm. and to have a real estate school and, you know, to, to be on the board of registered banks and the YMCA and all that other stuff. And so I see this man, not, I, like, I never saw my dad work for anybody white, ever. And so I never hear him talk about college. Now he went to college, he graduated, but he never talked about that. And all the other black men that he was around did the same type of thing and they made a lot of money and they didn't have to answer to all these other people. Mm -hmm. And so when I was, uh, I remember this man, when I was in first grade, uh, my teacher, Miss Johnson, she was teaching us how to write. And she said, uh, Stephen, you're gonna have to learn how to write because either you have to be a doctor or you have to be rich. Uh, you know, because if you have bad handwriting, you can't be a good employee, right? Mm -hmm. And I made, it my, I made it from my mind. I was like, well, shit, I'll be rich. I don't want to be a doctor, so I'm not. I'm gonna have to keep having bad hand. I'll, I'll continue to have bad handwriting, and I still have bad handwriting to this day, because I knew my dad had bad handwriting. And he had a secretary, so I was just like, in my head, I was like, look, I'm about to make it, man. I'll just be a businessman, and so I was able to look at my father every day as a business. Here's this black man who does what he wants to do. He makes a lot of money. He writes however he want to write. He plays basketball two hours a day. You know, and you know, he comes home to see us every day. So my parents taught me that through uh through showing me that. And then, you know, obviously my father had a whole library of personal development books back in the eighties. Mm -hmm. And so he would read these books and just leave them around the house. I'd pick them up or he would play these tapes, I'll listen to them and my dad was always giving me a different perspective on what a black man could do with his mind. And so it was just like I had I had no choice, man. Like I couldn't I couldn't uh I couldn't be like everybody else, you know? And I think that what's, what's key about that and what I always tell people, like, it's different. It's one thing to be, to not be like somebody else. It's another to not be like somebody else if you're following an example that's already set and you already see what the end looks like. And I think that's why parents are so key because it's like, you're not guessing, you're following. You're not saying what you don't want to be like, you're running towards what you do want to be like. And it's a lot easier right. to want to be than to run away from something. Because you can run away from it and completely off in the middle of nowhere. But if you're running towards a goal, it's a lot easier to correct your course. It's a lot easier to see where you're falling off base. And so I think that like a lot of people, I'll tell them how important parents are. Or I'll tell them how important your peer group is. Um, and a lot of those things really just um, impact you in ways you can't even see. I agree. I think, uh, and Charles, I need to cut you off. But like uh, out here, here in Atlanta, I have a group of guys that I'm with whenever I'm out or whatever, and we talk candidly about salary and, you know, investments and, you know, what we're making and what we want to make. And, you know, all of us are, you know, over six figures now because we're actively talking about our money. Man, that's funny because I, I was, I think it was Grant Cardone said something about that today. I was watching him and he was saying, like, people don't have money because they don't want to talk about money. So it's like, you have to. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Look, man, they don't want to talk about it, man. Like, I will, I talk, like, by, like, exact numbers. What do you make per year? 
if you my if you call myself your my friend, we should be able to talk about how much money you make, you know, and, and how we can make more money and uh and how to push each other to make more money. We would rather talk about sex than talk about income. Yeah. And I think that's backwards, man, especially especially in our culture, because we make very bad sex decisions as a culture. And but we talk about sex all the time in our music, right? We talk about sex all the time and everything that we do, but we don't we won't talk about income. But we but we'll call, we'll ask them, we'll talk about income inequality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and why and why and why white people need to pay us for You recently purchased um, a deal. I'm not sure the terms of the deal, but where did, where did you buy that property and what's your strategy for that property? Well, the deal I was talking about, I had not, I did not purchase it. I mm. wound up turning it down. I went to Alabama to look at some properties, look at a bunch of properties actually. I was looking at a 22 unit uh, complex. I was looking at 19 unit complex. I was looking at a couple houses. And the issue was, uh, and if y'all listening, it's a guy named Peter Harris. Type in Peter Harris Commercial Investing on YouTube. Great. Uh, older uh, black guy, he has a ton of knowledge on commercial investment. And basically, it was this man. You talking about a twenty-two unit at like a hundred seventy-five thousand dollars? Wow, that's a steal, man. But the issue is, it's like fifty-five percent vacant, and then on top of that, it's in a terrible neighborhood. The thing for people who want to buy property or uh, you know get into multifamily, you can't manage a bad neighborhood. You can't manage your way out of it. And uh, the other thing is. You gotta look at your numbers when it comes to residential flips. If it's uh, over that seventy-five percent loan to value, uh, as far as how much it's gonna cost to fix it and your carrying costs, you gotta walk away from it. And so uh, I had to walk away from a few deals down in Alabama, and uh, we're gonna gear up for to look at some deals here in Atlanta. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I didn't. I didn't purchase. I wanted to purchase. But I, 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 it's, it's better to not buy than to buy. It's so like, it's better to avoid a bad deal than to miss a good deal. Oh, oh, because you'll get in a deal, man. You might put being thirty, forty thousand dollars, and you you wind up making five thousand dollars. Come on, yeah. man, that, that was that was that was a waste of time. Yeah. So I would say to people who want to get into real estate, it pays to get a mentor. And I'm not talking about a YouTube mentor or a book. Find somebody in your area that can hold your hand through your first couple deals, you know, because you can really get yourself in a, a bad situation uh, going out here and buying these foreclosures, buying these auction properties because it's $2,000 and you think it's all good. So that's that. But uh, So let's talk about what do you think separates affluent African-American people from the non-affluent African-American people? Like what, what's the gap? Because I mean, people like to just make it say that it's it's race and that's it like oh if you're black then it's this is this is your path but we know that's not true we know that there's a lot of people out there that are, that are doing things so it's like how do you get to I, that path it's a few things me and my cousin just had a conversation my cousin john johnson is actually headed to stanford he's 18 years old and we were talking about this the past few days it's this it's intention it's what your parents intentions were when they had you what your intentions are for your family uh and from there it comes everything else so mindset self-discipline self-responsibility accountability you know determination all these things play a role in success and i think that for the american black person i'm not i'm not going going to go too far and pick up blame or anything like that but i will say this poverty at its core is a mindset and i'm not talking about people who are actually oppressed or anything like that. There's no reason why you should go through a poor neighborhood 
and it's trash all over the ground. That has nothing to do with you being impoverished. Yeah. So I think that, that that's self-discipline, though, right? That's an embodiment of of trash all over your, your yard and, and loud things like so for the affluent black person the uh we shall overcome deal right don't buy into the whole you know is there is everybody else's fault but but mine right mm-hmm. i think that we as affluent blacks take responsibility for ourselves and our families and we double down on our family first before we double down on the black community at large and that is the story of the, the black uh, elite for the past century, they bet big on they bet big on themselves and their families, and everybody ain't trying to be more than king. You know what I mean? Like if we get all focused on being more accountable for our families, our children, our future children, and saying, "Look, I'm not going to bring my future children into this world until I have a degree, or until I have X amount of dollars, until I'm married, or, or whatever," that will set the next generation up for another another type of success. I agree with that. I think that I mean. <laughs> You said a lot of things that I agree with. I, I agree that there's so much that doesn't cost money that can improve the community. There's so much that people intentionally do that make it look not good, like the graffiti, uh, the unkept lawns, all that stuff. Like it, it's free. It, it, it costs you no money to improve what you have. I think it all it all really does boil down to mindset. I've seen a lot of people who, uh, it's like I tell people, like I specialize in getting through problems. So it's like there's people who they they hit a problem. And that's the end, they throw their hands up. But with me, it's like, I know what my goal is. I know where I'm headed. So the problems are just things to press through. The problems aren't things to point at. The things, the problems are like the hurdles that I'm getting through to get towards whatever I'm getting to. And the, I mean, the great thing about pushing through those hurdles is those are what protect you. Like, I know there's a lot of things that I've done in life that I've pressed through that like, I've slammed the door shut behind me. Not because I'm like, not helping, but because I also want to get to a level of just success that it, 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 it can't be one-upped. My goal is to not be one-upped. So, but, uh, I know you were talking about your dad reading a lot of personal development books. I'm a big reader. Um, so what kind of books were those that you saw him reading? What kind of books are you reading these days? Let's talk about that. Um, so my dad read books on holistic health. He read books on, uh, my dad's a preacher too, so he read a lot of books on religion, mm-hmm. theology. And he read, a, I'm talking about, he read extensively about how to become a better leader, how to make more money, and how to uh, be, a, be a better husband and a better father. He has a ton of books. And so he was basically attacking himself at all angles all the time. He, he was really in-depth in real estate, obviously, because he didn't get a real estate you know, brokerage. But uh, those five types of books are the books he read the most. Now, for me, I read uh, a lot of books on sales right now. I got like 15 books on sales I'm reading. Not all at the same time, obviously. Right now, I'm reading about Taoism, uh, more like, you know, philosophy and things like that. Business philosophy, uh, business systems. What else are we? I'm reading some, right now, I'm trying to get a new way of thinking about business and a more systematic way of thinking about business. So I'm, I'm looking at more authors that, that write about things like that. And, and I'm reading about some, some health, some health stuff, but mostly what I just, what I, what I just stated. That's what I'm reading about. Uh, I'm reading Think Like a Freak. I just read The E-Myth Revisited. The Monk and the Riddler is a good book uh, about Silicon Valley. I'm about to read uh, The A-20 Rule, mm-hmm. A-20 Principles, something like that, and then Lean Startup. And that's another thing I think that the, the black entrepreneur needs to double down on is just business education in general. You know, get good at the business of business and then start trying to, you know, get better at your product. You know, whatever that service is you're trying to provide. Absolutely. But really, really double down on the business of business. 
that's going to really help you in the long run. Yeah. I mean, so many people, what they do is they focus so much on their product, but they don't focus on sales. And so if you're not getting oh. out to people, then you'll end up having the best product that never gets bought. It's like, that's why people lose in starting a business. It's not because they don't have the greatest product, the greatest innovation. And I think that even goes to show on those different ideas that people have. Like everybody has the same ideas for the most part. It's like who executes mm -hmm. it, who takes it to market, who sells it and brands it the best. Because I mean, right. like they said, there was multiple ideas for Uber before Uber. There was multiple ideas for Airbnb going on at the same time as Airbnb. It's just what do they do that kind of take, allow them to be the winner. And it all comes down to right. it comes down to business. Right, right, right. I have failed a lot. And as I go back and look at the failures in business, it was because of business flaws I had that I could have avoided if I had doubled down on my business knowledge. Because courage can take you somewhere, but courage is 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 hard to keep a business afloat when it's undercapitalized and it's lacking vision. And so uh, that's that's something I've seen, and I really I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, it's like you know TED talks and all that good stuff, man. That can really just teach you about business, like. Uh, and just using your common sense, man. A lot of business stuff is just straight up common sense as far as, far as product development and all those things. But I think that for the forward-thinking black person, I think that if you do, if you bet big on yourself as far as education, whatever that education is, whether it's diploma, license, or you know what have you, your trade. I think if you practice self-discipline and accountability, and you know have a, a person that's your accountability partner in business. You're gonna get further ahead in 12 months doing the, just those things than than doing what what you were planning on doing alone. So it's uh, and I see it's it's a lot of black people out here doing a ton of things, man. Like uh, what's my guy out there in uh, New York, 45 million dollar real estate uh fund with, with Jared Kushner and all them. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I know you're talking about. I know exactly who you're talking. About. Uh, he's like 29. He went. He graduated from Harvard. Yeah, I know you're talking. Uh, I forget his name, but I know you're talking about. Yeah. And it's like, well, where's the excuse for this guy, right? He's a young black guy. We all supposed to get shot. <laughs> here, here he is making $45 million, you know, in real estate, like with Trump's, you know, right-hand man. Yeah. So I, I think that, and this is kind of off subject, but think about this, right? What if we didn't teach our kids that they were slaves? Like, what if we didn't teach our children this whole black oppression narrative? Like, what if we told our children that, look, y'all have been successful your whole forever. Do you think that that would change the psyche of a black child? Absolutely. Compared to one who only knew us as slaves? You know what's crazy about it is, I think that a lot of, I always say like a lot of the oppression really comes from people who say that they're oppressed. Um, it's like all of the, 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 the talk in the household, all of the, the things you're taught from not your teacher, but from like parents, uh, aunts, uncles, friends, territory in their household. I was thinking about all this. I was like, man, like, I'm pretty sure that teachers aren't telling kids that they can only sell drugs or play basketball. I think that happens in the hood. I think when you go to yeah. the hood and you tell somebody you want to be a doctor, they're like, oh, you can't be a doctor. You come from here. You get to be this and this and this. So it's, it's not yeah. that other people are oppressing you. It's that the people that, it's like, it's, 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 it's textbook crab in a bucket mentality. And it's so crazy. Oh, man. Like, as you as you learn about it, and that's one thing I tell people. Like people think I'm criticizing like African American people when I say that, and I say it because if you're the problem, you're also the solution. So like if we can address that it's us that's holding us back, all we have to do is change us. 
We don't have to change white people. We don't have to change age people. We don't have to change the teacher. We have to change us. And it's a lot easier to change you than to stand on the sign with the stand on the road with a picket sign saying, Don't shoot us. It's a lot easier just to be a civilized person. And so like maybe it's easier to point the finger and expect to not have to change, but I think that's the biggest thing is like just not recognizing that it's you and your dad did that. He recognized that it was him, so he read books. He became a better person and he won because of it. You've done the same exact thing. I've done the same exact thing. My parents done the same exact thing. Yeah, you know, I think that, I mean, I'm not gonna say anything about the poor black people, man. I, 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 because you said all of them Twitter, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think that as a culture, if we begin to fully embrace dominance instead of how do I get my enemy to love me, mm-hmm. Bullshit. Whoever, what race of people, what enemy against enemy uh, war have you ever seen? The other inside saying, "Please love me. Please stop doing this to me." You never seen that, man. And, and that that side win. You see people take what they want. And so, I think that as a culture, we bought that bullshit, nonviolent kumbaya. We black, we're strong, we can persevere anything. Fuck that shit, dog. I'm not here to persevere, dog. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a mule, bro. I'm not somebody just I can just take a ass kicking. I am here to make as much money and get as much power for my family as I can. I'm not here to protest because that shit didn't get anybody anything but an ass kicking and a misdemeanor. I'm serious, man. Like that shit don't work, man. I think the one one thing that you said and a lot that um Something I've always said is like, there's certain things that you have to kind of be naive to. If you think of like American history, you don't think about like white people in caves or white people like doing like inhumane, brutal stuff. They elevate themselves in a regal fashion. And so they don't dwell on all the negative stuff. They don't dwell on all the stuff that's gonna hold them back and keep them down. And for some reason we like to dwell on slavery or oppression and movies like Detroit as if that's the history of the people. And we wonder why we don't ever get ahead. Because things affect us really. I'm in this office right now, I work in an office and they have like a lot of sweets. They always eat like junk food. And like, so I end up finding myself eating junk food at my desk. And part about it is like, I didn't make a conscious decision to eat junk food. I didn't say I want to eat junk food. What happens is everybody else is eating junk food. There's always junk food here. And so that becomes my habit is to eat junk food. And that's what happens. What you're around just becomes who you are. And so it's like right. making intentional and it's, it's like like what you said, like you have to be intentional of getting around the right things, getting around the right people. If we want, if, if that's the goal, if the goal is progress. Otherwise, I mean, what are we here for? Give the people some last words, let them know where to find you. Um, I'm okay. pretty on the on the podcast again, but. Of course, of course. Well, y'all, my name is Steven Story, S-T-P-H-E-N-S-Q-O-R-E-Y. You find me on Facebook, I'm not, I don't do anything on Facebook. But I'm on Instagram at Stephen C Story. I'm on Twitter at Stephen Story. Um, the main thing I want y'all to get out of this is, as uh, a culture, as Black people, if we start on the micro level and focus on first ourselves, and then our immediate family and our immediate future family, our children, our future spouse, if we, you know, if you're not married yet or whatever, and we focus on changing the people closest to us and changing ourselves first. If we all take accountability uh, for our uh, economic situation, 
we take uh, responsibility for our political situation and we take, uh, take control of our education. If we all do that, we can all get much further than um, what we are currently by just complaining. So I challenge each of y'all, each, each person that hears this, to write out a 100-year plan for your family, exactly how you want the lives of your children to be, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your cousins, and a life, you know, a life of prosperity for the next hundred years. And then I want you to act on it. That's my challenge to you. Talk to another family member, you know, sibling, a parent, whatever it is, and start holding one another accountable. And if we all can do that, we can start to get further ahead because it starts with economics. It does not start with skin color. The, our, the greater our economic power, the greater our political power will be, the greater power we'll have in our education system. You know, I, I, I might have said some abrasive things. So what? <laughs> it's gonna be all right. I certainly don't kill you. You know, y'all, y'all see more things like this from me. Uh, y'all can always check my book reviews out. I got a lot of book reviews on Periscope. Scroll down my timeline. Uh, uh, Ty, no, Charles. No, hold on, uh, Charles. Where does Todd come from? Because you're not. Your name's not Todd. Where does Todd come from? It's, I guess it's good for the podcast for people to know. The name Todd is really just something that I created a long time ago. Um, I had the, the brand Hunter Todd. And so Hunter Todd was the necktie company that I had. I ran the necktie company and then I decided that I needed to start banking on myself and banking on the credentials that I have, the experience. And so I wanted to go the finance route. And so then I just changed, I had to trim off something. I couldn't, it could be Hunter Todd Capital. Yeah. I mean, I like the name Todd just because it's clean. It goes with the brand. It it's presents well, and that's just what it is. But there's no reasoning behind it. It's just something that I just. <laughs> I yeah. mean, but Charles Oglesby, come on, Charles Oglesby millionaire. That sounds like way like you know you got a rich name already, man. You you pick the name and then you you work into the name. And so before I finished law school, I made my name Todd Law. Now my name is Todd. Uh, you tend to just drift into that name. I, I've, I've found that also, like some people, some people accept it, some people don't accept it. I don't know, but I'm gonna keep building. I'm going to keep building, and uh, we'll keep everybody in the mix. We'll get you on maybe in about like five more episodes or so, and talk more in depth. Sure. I think it's good just because it's it's motivational. It's a lot of things I think about, a lot of things I talk about, but to get somebody yeah. that kind of feels the same way helps people think that I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at info at We're currently not taking new members for the investment club. We will be soon. So you want to get in line. You want to get lined up. So when we do open it back up to new members, you're in there. So I appreciate you all for listening. This is Todd Millionaire, also known Charles Oglesby, signing off. This is Ken Morris, the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm, and the creator of the brand Lord of My Land the alpha gentleman entrepreneur, and I am a proud supporter of Tide Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken.